0: This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him. And his son Isaac, he cut wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there and we will worship. And then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father? And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. On the Mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: That um, you would help us understand this text. It's one of the more difficult scripture lessons for us to, to read or to have read for us hard words to hear not something we want to hear so lord we pray that in these few moments together you might speak to us in only the way that you can don't let the preacher's words get in the way but speak to us in such a way that we know what you're saying to us as individuals and as a congregation so speak to us lord your servants are listening amen well, this walk of Abraham to that, that mountaintop in Moriah uh, must have been the longest walk of his life. Now, he had taken journeys before. In fact, when he first encountered God, he was called to leave his kindred behind and, and go to a land that God would show him. And, and that may have been a 1,000 miles uh, of journeying for him. But this one... This one was still long. It was three days uh, journey, Uh, but it was long for a lot of reasons, not just uh, in distance. As I said, it was a three-day journey. That's what the scriptures tell us. And and because of that, uh, they had to take provisions It would, you know, take them a while to get there and then to come back. And so not only did he take his son with him, Isaac, but also two servants to help carry the provisions. They also um, carried wood for the sacrifice and fire. Maybe it was in a little pouch of some kind. Uh, Kept the fire burning so they wouldn't have to rub sticks together up on the mountaintop and, and a knife for the sacrifice. But there was one glaring omission from the provisions that they took they did not take the lamb for the sacrifice at least that's what Isaac saw. He did not know of the conversation that had occurred between Abraham and God. He didn't know that he was to be the sacrifice that day. So he kept looking around, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? He asked his father over and over again, wanted to know where's the lamb. How are we going to do a sacrifice without a, without a lamb? that is, I think, what made the the journey so long for Abraham because those words, that question of his son must have just stabbed him in the heart every time it was asked because he knew what was being asked of him. He was being asked not only to, to take the life of his son, but his only son. And not only that, that was really, that son was to be, the fulfillment, the beginning of the fulfillment of God's promise to him, In the very beginning, God said, if you'll follow, if you'll go where I tell you to go, I'll give you offspring that will number like the stars in heaven. And he was an old man then, just so he's only that much older now. How is he going to have offspring that would number like the stars in heaven if he, if he takes the life of his only son? And that's what he was being called upon to do. And so he was struggling with that. He kept telling his son, the Lord will provide the lamb. But you know, of course, we know the rest of the story. And so we know where that lamb came from. But when he spoke those words, he Abraham didn't know that. And so when he said, the Lord will provide the lamb, I think he was looking into the eyes of his son and he was thinking, that's the lamb. The Lord will provide. And it probably was hard for him to say those very words. Well, as I said, we know the rest of the story and the Lord did provide the lamb just in the nick of time. Just as he was raising a knife to take the life of his son, that's when God stopped him and showed him the lamb that was caught in the thicket. Now, many scholars believe that this story was recorded and and repeated over and over again throughout the oral tradition as as a way to kind of lay for rest once and for all the the notion that child sacrifice was okay, that it was, the story was told so that people would hear that God didn't need that. And it was to end that whole controversy, if you will. Uh, It's still hard to read, isn't it? Maybe that maybe that's what the purpose was, but it's still hard to read. And in fact, I don't know if you noticed when I was telling the story to the children, I, I can't I can't tell them that Abraham was taking their his son up to kill him. I couldn't do that, so I kind of dance around that. I, I remember years ago, I, I was in a children's sermon, I was doing the same thing. That was back in the early days of my ministry, and uh, I grew up as many of you probably did with the King James version of the Bible and the word that's often used for lamb is kid. And so I said, and there was a kid in the thicket that was provided by God to be sacrificed. So that didn't help me. You know, here I avoided Isaac, but had another, I had a kid that was sacrificed. You know, that didn't, it was only after it got out of my mouth, I realized what I had said. And all the kids had their, all the kids had their wide eyes looking at me. Um, so anyway, may, maybe this story is a, maybe that's its purpose, perhaps. But maybe there's another, perhaps greater purpose, and it's really about faith. It's about the faith of Abraham, who's willing to, to take a long journey and to do what God calls him to do. Now, remember, when when Abraham started his journey, the lamb was already up there. Land lamb was already on the mountaintop. And probably when he started climbing the hill, it was already caught in the thicket. So God's provision came first. But if Abraham had never picked up the sticks and the knife and the fire, if he had never taken that first step to go up that mountaintop, he never would have seen the lamb. He never would have experienced the blessing that God had waiting for him. God will provide. but you see, we have to do our part. We have to take that first step toward receiving what God has provided. Now we've all heard that story, haven't we of the man that was on the roof? I mean it's, it's not a, I don't think it's a true story, but it's a story that we've often heard told over and over again. The man stand, sitting up on top of the roof of his house and flood waters are surrounding the house. And he prays to God, come and save me. And and so along comes a rowboat and the people in the rowboat say, hey, come come on, get in the rowboat. And the man on the house said, no, 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 the Lord's going to save me. That's okay, thank you for the rowboat, but I don't need it. God's gonna save me. And so the rowboat goes away, and then a motorboat comes zooming up and they say, Come on, jump in. The water's rising a little higher now. And the man says, No, I don't need need your motorboat. God's gonna save me. And so they take off, and finally the water is up to, you know, he's sitting on the tip top of the house, and the water is right up to his ankles, and and a helicopter comes over and they drop down a rope and they say, Come on, climb on, climb on, and we'll save you. And the man says, Don't worry, the Lord is going to save me. And so the helicopter flies away. Well, the waters rise and the man drowns. And when he gets to uh, heaven, he asks God, why'd you let me drown? You, You were supposed to save me. And the Lord, of course, said, well, I sent you a rowboat and I sent you a motorboat and I sent you a helicopter and you didn't do anything. So what did you expect? Well, that's the way it is for us a lot of times with blessings in life that God gives to us. The blessings are there. They're a free gift, but, but we kind of choose not to do our part in order to receive those blessings. Sometimes receiving God's blessings is very easy. It's just a matter of sucking it in, you know, kind of like you wake up in the morning. If you're breathing, you have just been blessed with life and you don't have to do anything. You All you have to do is take a breath. It's a gift, free gift. Do nothing. It's that simple. It's that easy. On a hot day when the when the clouds roll in and the and the showers come and start cooling the air and and just helping you feel a lot better, you didn't do anything to make the rain come, and yet it's a blessing to you, and all you have to do is put out your arms and soak it in. When you're loved by a family member or a friend, if they're truly loving you, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is accept it that easy. That's, that's how a lot of blessings come to us. All we have to do is accept it. But sometimes, and many times, the blessings of God come to us in a way that it's really hard. Consider some of these examples in the Bible, for instance. The paralyzed man, remember, he was by the pool and uh, he he wanted to walk. Uh, but he had all these excuses why he couldn't be healed. He couldn't get to the pool that was to provide the healing water for him. He couldn't get there because every time he tried, he said, people would get in in front of him. And, uh, and so he, he couldn't get to the pool. And what did Jesus do? Jesus healed him, but he said, hey, you want to walk? Then you stand up, pick up your pallet and walk. You've got to do something if you want these blessings. The blessings are there. I'll heal you, but you pick up the pallet, in which he did, and he began to walk. He had to have a lot of faith to do that. If he had been by that pool all those many years, why would he think that he could stand and pick up his pallet? Yet that day he did. And remember the blind man, the man who was born blind, Never, never had seen anything. Jesus comes to him. He doesn't even know it's Jesus. He doesn't know who the man is that's talking to him. But Jesus says, if you want to see, well, do this. And Jesus took some clay from the ground and he spit into it, made it some mud, put it on the man's eyes. And he said, now I want you to go to that pool over there called Siloam. It means scent. I'm sending you to the pool called scent. And I want you to wash your eyes and your face. And then I want you to go show yourself to the priest. Let him know that that you've, you've been healed. Blind man could have just said, yeah, right, right. And could have just sat right back down and continued his begging, but no, he went, but he had to do something. You see, it, it was in his going. It was in his going is his being sent that he really then was able to receive And then there was the rich young ruler who wanted eternal life, came to Jesus, wanted to know what he had to do to inherit eternal life. And and Jesus said, well, it's simple, you know, you know the law, do that. And and then go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and then come follow me. That That was really hard. And the scriptures tell us that he went away sad because he had great possessions, possessions that had come to possess him. Sometimes it's hard, you see, to receive the blessings of God. When Nicodemus came in the middle of the night to Jesus, also wanting to know about this kingdom that that Jesus had been speaking about so often, he came in the middle of the night because he didn't want his friends to see him. He was a, a scholar. He was a Pharisee. He knew the law. And Jesus said, well, you want want this kingdom? You want to be a part of that? Well, you're going to have to become like a child again. You're going to have to be born again. You're going to have to let go of all this control you have on your own life and on the lives of other people. When Peter, James, and John and the other fishermen were called, you know, they, they wanted the blessings of Jesus. But in order to receive those blessings, they had to let go of their boats and they had to drop their nets and they had to follow Jesus. Matthew had to leave his tax collecting table. All of these people, you see, had to experience this, this responsibility to do their part, to receive the blessings that were there all along, that were always there. But but sometimes we, we have to do something in order to receive it. Abraham, when he was first told by God to, that, that he would receive all these blessings, he had to choose whether he would stay at home or whether he would go where. God was leading him. He had to leave behind his kinsfolk. He had to to leave behind everything that was familiar to him. And he had to go out into the unknown. That was not easy. It's very hard. Sometimes, you see, in fact, a lot of times, it's hard to do our part so we can allow God to do God's part. Think about how often we shop for a church. Think about that. We shop for the blessings that the church might provide to us. We go from one church to another and say, well, I'm looking for a good youth program or a good children's program or, or, you know, an adequate preacher. (laughs) You know, I I, want to go to a place that has the right kind of music. You know, we go asking, what does that church have to offer me? Do we ever ask, how can God best use me wherever I might go? What part does God want me to play in, in accepting and receiving what God has provided? What pallet do I pick up? What, what <clears throat> pool called scent am I called to go to? What does God want me to do? Where does God want me to go? What riches am I called upon to give up? You know, I hate the term... Membership. Phil and I have talked about this quite often, and and uh, you know, if it were up to me in the United Methodist Church, I would I would strip the word membership out of the discipline. I I would take it out because whenever I hear the word member and membership, I think of privilege. I think you pay your dues and then you get all these privileges. You get discounts. You get to use a facility for less than people who aren't members. There there are all kinds of privileges you get for, you get to park in the parking lot. (laughs) You know, membership, that's what it connotes to me. But I think to follow Christ is not not about privilege, but it's about responsibility. It's about what God calls us to do with our lives. Our membership vows include a promise, a promise to uphold The ministries of our church through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Not just one of those things, but five of those things. And and it's probably a whole lot more than that. If we want to be honest, if we want to be true to Christ, it's about giving up our whole lives and constantly asking God, What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? What do you want me? Where do you want me to go? God will provide the Lamb. And often the lamb is already there just waiting in the thicket, waiting for us to find it. But we must do our part. We must gather the wood and the fire and the knife and make that long journey of faith across the wilderness of our lives. What is God calling you to do? You know, as we celebrate the birthday of our nation in a couple of days, you know, it's easy for us to get caught up in beach trips and picnics and fireworks. And sometimes we forget the people who who paid significant prices in their lives so that we might have the benefits and the blessings of this nation. Well, think about what God has given to us. What What kind of price God has made on our behalf to so that we can experience the blessings of life itself someone else paid a price for us have a video i'd like us to see about how god provides the lamb god has provided the lamb but sometimes we are called upon to help carry his cross let us pray